0: Hi there, and welcome to another podcast in the Challenge and Response series that Pilot Peer Support and the Airline Pilot Club are presenting on the topic of pilot well-being and how that often ignored concept is now more relevant than ever, given the effects of the pandemic. I'm Andy O'Shea, and normally I'll be joined by Margie Burns, the Managing Director of Pilot Peer Support. But today we are going to devote the podcast to an interview with someone who has been on the front line of this battle with the virus. I'm going to talk to Frank, who is a qualified airline pilot and who was progressing very nicely on his career path before the pandemic struck. I believe Frank's story is upsetting, but also shows how people can respond to adverse situations and can demonstrate great resilience and find positives on which to build a recovery. Frank, thanks very much for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me, Andy. Great. So just to set the scene for our listeners, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your current experience level and qualifications?
1: I guess starting with the flight time of about 3,000 hours. Uh, I currently have an EASA airline transport pilot license, and I have a jet type rating with about 1,000 hours on jet and about 1,500 hours instruction. And yeah, most recently I was flying a medium-sized jet for a low-cost carrier.
0: Very good, very good. So you're, you know, you're on a trajectory that would be common to an awful lot of people um, in the airline pilot career, and and who have been affected by this. So just a little bit more detail then, like with the carrier, what was your employment status like? Were you full-time or were you a contractor?
1: Yeah, I was a full-time uh, pilot, so I was a first officer, and uh, most recently, uh, just before the pandemic, I was uh, promoted to senior first officer and i was just uh, about 18 months with the company and and really starting to get uh confident with the aircraft and you know i was in the in a comfortable position like everyone was in, in 2019 that i could see a, a fairly predictable career path for myself uh and yeah i had a nice five-year plan so to speak and then we then we saw what happened with with covid so
0: yeah and so just what's your current status then uh at the moment
1: like many others i was let go of the company so i've been unemployed for about six months uh there's some prospect for me to rejoin the company but we all know it's uncertain times so yeah as of this time i'm, I'm unemployed
0: right so yeah you're at the you're in the worst possible outcome uh situation from what has happened to the airline industry so just to backtrack a little bit but in, in general terms like um as a citizen, if you like, when were you first aware of COVID-19 as a threat to us, society, or, or even the industry?
1: Well, I suppose uh, I first heard of COVID just on, on some news apps that I would read, you know, from time to time. And I, I began to notice it happening in, in China. It didn't really appear to, you know, appear as a threat to me until I, I started reading a couple of articles saying that, it, oh, this could, this could be us next. But, you know, it wasn't really paid that much attention to, I suppose... It was really when it started in in Italy, um, when they had the first outbreak in Milan, quite quickly after that, that the flights started to get cancelled. I think it was one week after the outbreak in Milan, maybe two weeks that uh, governments and uh, airlines started cancelling flights to Italy. So it it came pretty rapidly, I would say, from reading it in the paper and to being some distant, uh, you know, news story to something that might affect me.
0: Yeah. And did you see, like, for instance, was there a big fall off in load factor um, during the initial stages of the pandemic when the airline was probably trying to keep Uh, the schedule going
1: yeah absolutely um the the effects were fairly immediate so i would say the most noticeable thing in the operation was the load factor people were afraid to fly or afraid of uh Getting trapped in a in a in a certain country, and uh, from a pilot's point of view, we're seeing no-tams that we'd never really seen before, you know, uh, and there's new procedures being added uh, every day, such as providing passenger locator forms and different pre-entry requirements. Uh, so. It was, it was really, as as they say, you know, many times uh, in this pandemic, it was kind of like wartime things, like very unusual notams that you would see. And of course, then the, the schedule, everyone's schedule was just getting cancelled and changed and there was so much uncertainty. So it was very, uh, very quick to see that this was uh, going to be a problem.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'd say from your point of view, it was horrible, but equally from a management point of view, trying to grapple with what was happening um, in such unfamiliar circumstances. So just just to talk about the airline then, how do you think they dealt with the initial stages of it? Now, not not the way you've described to now, but in terms of with the pilots, with the cabin crew, with crew and personnel in general, was their communication good or, or how would you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I think my company did a very good job uh, from the from the outset and especially in the initial period of, of being as communicative as possible. We were communicated with by several uh, media at mediums and uh yeah they, they were very good. They they tried to keep us, you know, up to date on all the latest changes and, and as you said it was it was nearly an impossible task, but they were very transparent, I have to say, and they were we knew what they knew basically. Uh so I think that was a good good strategy because we, we could all see that these changes to our roster, these you know difficult situations and tasks that were being asked of us, uh we could understand the reasons why and everyone was willing to you know be flexible with that so i would say that the communication was good on that side
0: yeah and i suppose like like all situations like that there was a strong team ethic going Uh, Everybody trying to pull together to get through it i mean typical actually of i suppose everybody's attitude to the initial lockdown was really positive and let's get on with this and defeat it so i'm just wondering then as as things deteriorated did they manage the the communication flow and you know what was the information decisive or was it confusing you know I'm not trying to put words in your mouth I'm just trying to explore this a little bit
1: yeah um you know it it was it started off very decisive I would say uh, you know uh, but then 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 when this um, situation you know uh, proved that it was going to be around much longer it seemed that there needed to be more decisive decisions made and I think the communication probably from their side became a bit fatigued at some point because you know, I'm sure whoever was in, in that department, it's just a, a nonstop. The operation was changing from day to day. And at one point it was, okay, we'll be able to to keep everyone. Uh, don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll sit this through to, okay, it looks like everyone's going to have to take holidays. And then finally, we're very sorry, but we're going to have to let some people go. So um, the communication, I guess, you know, I guess they did. They did what they could.
0: Again, very difficult. Um, so when did it dawn on you that this was this could be really detrimental to your career and your lifestyle and everything? Like, um, when did that penny begin to drop? And how did you feel about that?
1: Well, you know, I I could see that it was a big threat to the to the airlines very very early on. I think there were some carriers that very quickly went into, you know, um went to the government for bailouts and and so on. So I could see that it was definitely a problem. However, I thought that my, my, my own job was quite safe. And it was quite quick from a, going from a period that, okay, I'll be okay. Maybe I'll have to take uh, an extended period of unpaid leave to, okay, actually, my job is in danger here. And uh, that was just due to, you know, certain communications from the company that made it more apparent that uh, there was going to have to be drastic measures taken to to go through this uh, crisis
0: okay and when the company were giving out the the ultimate bad news like did you did you feel that they were doing it in a in a showing empathy for crews uh, understanding the seriousness of the situation or how did how did that make you feel
1: yeah so when it came time to give the bad news um I, I think there was some empathy there. I know that you know that there was no single person in you know management or HR that wanted to let people go. So there was a de- there was there was a degree of empathy there, and there was there was made clear to us that you know you you are victims, and this is something that we'd never planned. However, at the end of the day, it starts to turn into a business when they have to you know get rid of so many people, and there's only so many niceties that can come with um, being let go. Uh, so you know in in bigger operations you can just feel like a bit of a number at the end of the day
0: you've had to deal with something that is in the back of every airline pilot's mind you know that fear of the company going bust or you being let go or maybe you know losing a medical or or in some way or other not been able to function as an airline pilot and pursue that career so having gone through that process like um can you give us a, a sense of how it impacted you um were your initial feelings one of um, acceptance and ang- you know, and then go through the cycle of anger and you know all of that kind of the the steps of of getting bad news? How did you how did you deal with that?
1: So I'd say my my initial reactions, I suppose, you know, I was I was a bit shocked. Although I will say, with the company communication, it was pretty much made clear. You know, it wasn't a huge surprise because there was a lot of time that went by. And, uh, you know, I knew it was a possibility that I I, I could be one of the unfortunate ones. So, um, you know, in the first, but of course, once you finally hear the news, it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shock because, um, you know, as many pilots know, we work really hard to get to this point. There's many different avenues people have come you know, whether it be through the military or flight instruction, And it's all kind of been leading up to being uh, an airline pilot, especially in in my case. And I spent many years before I could make it into the, to the airline. So yeah, it was a big, big shock, a big defeat. But um, at the same time, I kind of, you know, that, that, that blow was uh, softened a little bit because I've, you know, talked to many pilots or captains during my, during my career. And it seems to be that, you know, um, economic crisis and as you said medical things like this there's a lot of things that can uh, cause a company to become bankrupt or cause a pilot not uh, to be able to fly so it's kind of unfortunately it's you know it's almost expected at some point in your career that you might face uh, losing your job that was the the initial reaction and yeah so that after the first day you know I just took a break took took a breather just said okay uh, let's you know I didn't try to take any action then, but, uh, just, I think starting the next day, um, you know, I just accepted it and uh, I just got stuck into doing the CVs and cover letters and, uh, you know, approaching what's next. I just viewed it as kind of part of the journey of my career. And, uh, you know, I've been through bumps before, um, with, you know, studying, uh, different jobs and, and so on. So it was just another part of, of the journey. And, uh, I just uh went uh, full steam ahead into CVs and and cover letters and looking for other jobs.
0: Yeah, and I am just wondering like was there any sense um, in the immediate aftermath that you, you could take time out and 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 relax for a while the way you know a lot of people um reflected on the first lockdown as as being an opportunity that uh to to live a slightly different lifestyle w- was there any sense that okay you'd been let go but w- was there an initial kind of um, sense that this might be an opportunity to reduce the pressure on yourself and uh, maybe explore other things with your partner, your family?
1: Uh, well, to be honest, I had been on a sort of lockdown for many months before we we were uh, made redundant, so I had I had already had that time to like relax and you know do some hobbies and focus on some other things while I was at uh, home and not flying um, with the luxury of you know a basic salary. Uh, so when I think it was literally the next day, I, I I needed to do something about my situation in order to feel, um, you know, good about myself and to feel like I had some sort of control of the situation. So I immediately was, you know, I, I immediately went into updating my CV and cover letter, and then looking, you know, and then pretty much sending them everywhere. And I'll say that uh, updating my CV um, and things like adding up my logbook and cover letter, it made me feel, you know, it, re- it reminded me of my accomplishments. And that was really helpful for, for the situation. You know, it, it gave a positive spin. It's like, okay, I've, I've lost my job now. Um, I'm probably gonna get my job back at some time. And if I saw my CV 10 years ago, I would be delighted because I'd say, look, you, you, you did it. You made it to the airlines. Here you are. You've you you're flying a jet and you've got loads of time and, and you have a career prospect. So it was a good, it was a good thing to do. And giving myself, you know, small tasks to do, uh, such as making a CV then, you know, uh, adapting a CV to a company. So I might pick one or two companies in a day and then just focus on making a CV and cover letter for that, uh, that company it could take a couple of hours someday and then you know i would feel like i'd done something that day and uh you know there's nothing more you can do you just then that's a situation you have and you've done something productive about it so that was my take on the, the situation
0: yeah i mean that sounds like a really good strategy uh frank because you know taking those small steps and and small achievements um gives you back that sense of control there's no doubt about it and you know i wrote a blog uh back in may i think it was about that phrase control the controllables and how if you embrace that as a kind of philosophy it can really give you a sense of purpose and a sense of control over circumstances that might otherwise overwhelm you you know so i think that sounds really positive and might be a a message for people was there anything else you did like we spoke uh, in preparation about um taking out those manuals what what did you do with them
1: yeah, so yeah, well, I would say the first month of, of um, redundancy was kind of like ultimate offensive CVs, cover letters, full-time job, sending CVs everywhere. Then once that kind of slowed down a bit, and I will say it wasn't all easiest. There were times where you're, you're seeing that you're getting no replies and, you know, it felt a bit, you know, futile at times, but I just I just viewed it as an exercise, an exercise for my health, an exercise to keep keep my CV in top shape and to keep my head in the game. And um, after that, um, you know, I took a couple of months without looking at the manuals and um, then I, it came time to prepare for the LPC. So I did start to look into the manuals a lot and I mean, I got a lot of knowledge, but I got a lot of satisfaction from, you know, really go- going into depth for the aircraft systems, for, for the aircraft type that I fly. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have had the time to go into as much depth while I was flying 900 hours a year. So that was one coping mechanism for me was just, you know, stay in the game, keep reading about the the aircraft that you're flying and, you know, try make the best of this time.
0: Just, uh, did you have any, uh, like a lot of people that I've talked to, they've uh, managed to find some other earning potential. So for instance, you know, from joining a family firm and being active in that to I know of one TRE who's working in an Amazon warehouse, but like, have you... Have you gone down that road? Did you try and find alternative or secondary employment to boost income?
1: Uh, to be honest, I didn't look that much uh, into, into that because of my financial situation. My, my partner still working. So I'm fortunate enough that I have the luxury to, you know, focus full time on, on looking for jobs and going into studying. However, you know, now that the time rolls on, I'm considering that I, I should just for my own, you know, benefit to try and find some work. Uh, but I, I haven't had to. Um, and I've just really been treating what I'm doing now as like a full time occupation. I took up some other hobbies and some other studies, like trying to learn another language, you know, practicing music, just being nice to myself a bit, basically. But I'll see, you know, that can't go on forever. So maybe I'll have to look elsewhere for for some money in the meantime
0: yeah but that's that's a wonderful phrase you've just used there being nice to yourself you know because i'm sure there's a some people might find it um a bit overwhelming that they have been let go they've they've had to deal with that trauma and and it could trigger a, a spiral into a place that would be very bad but i think that that phrase of being nice to yourself and understanding that like nothing that you did or could do could have changed the outcome but you know your response so far just seems to be so positive it's it's really uh it's great to listen to you Frank well done. Now we mentioned money there and and you know you now are going to have to find the resources to keep yourself current. So we're kind of just moving into a technical area for a second and uh, I was wondering during the uh, last uh, the latter stages of your time in the airline um and now how aware uh, have you been or were you of the EASA, Extensions and exemptions that they put out, and and how well did the National Aviation Authority adapt them and give them as an opportunity for the company to to help you?
1: Yeah, I think uh, IASA and uh, the the national authorities were all fairly on the ball with that. They were um, they were quick to issue you know pragmatic uh, solutions to these kind of um, problems with with recency and and simulator training and so on. And uh, the company was, you know, very, very quick and they they utilized them very, very well. So uh, I think it was well, well handled by everyone.
0: Okay. So you then had to explore and do something that airline pilots don't have to do. Uh, one of the perks of being an airline pilot is that your recurrent training and checking is dished up to you. Tell us about what you had to do to keep yourself current.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, to keep myself current as, as any airline pilot will know, or, or the students might not know, but you have to do an annual check in the simulator to keep your, to renew your license. So um, normally the airline takes care of that and, it's quite, you know, there's quite a lot of logistics involved. So it, I had to find, uh, a, uh, firstly, I had to find a simulator center to do that. So I had to basically shop around because the prices vary and it's not cheap. Um, and the next thing I had to figure out was um, the, the COVID restrictions. So you could say normally it mightn't be such a headache, but the cost is, is, a, is a huge burden. But if you add on the, the situation with, with COVID, it was so unclear when the borders were going to close around me, or if they're going to be open at the time, that it was really a big stress for me. Um, And I was waiting until the very first day that I could renew uh, my license. Uh, So within three months of the expiry date, you can renew your license and that will, uh, you know, keep the um, expiry date uh, from the original date. Yeah, it it was a big stress finding, trying to find a place and then booking the accommodation and just you know wondering is this going to happen or not and when i finally got it done i was i was very relieved it was a big mission on on my it was a big task that i had to do and with so much uncertainty it was not enjoyable and the cost you know i had to pay for flights and hotels and the the sim itself so you know i was looking at about 1200 euro in total
0: right and of course, you'd have to you had to find a TRE, didn't you? Um, did the ATO provide the TRE, or did you find that person separately?
1: Uh, luckily, the ATO provided the sim, but some of my friends they they had to you know you know also coordinate a TRE, and and uh, it's a it's a big it's a big orchestra at the end of the day. So yeah, I didn't really see all that behind the scenes in the airlines. I mean, you kind of take it for granted, but I guess that's the the, the company's responsibility at the end of the day. But but absolutely, when you're on your own, it's not easy.
0: So you did the LPC for your license and type rating. Did you do any training as well? Was was that part of your plan at this stage or how did you manage?
1: Luckily, there was one one company here that has a, a sort of fixed base um, sim uh, for the aircraft type that I fly. And they had a scheme that was sort of like a solidarity scheme for pilots affected by the crisis that they would allow them some free time in, the, um, in, the, in their sim And you could practice for your lpc so i was able to practice a few hours in there and i i was also able to just go and watch other people practice so i was there several days you know in the last few months where just backseating or you know even helping out with the the same a little bit and that was really good exposure so i would recommend to anyone you know any exposure that you can get even if you're not flying the thing just sit in there and, and watch people doing the the sops and you know their procedures and so on um it was really beneficial
0: Really helpful, yeah. And did it come back easily to you when you actually sat in the seat?
1: The manual skills were pretty much still there. There, they weren't as pretty, but um, the you know the procedures were very rusty, uh, even though you, you practiced them. But it took a couple of minutes of warming up in the sim on the day of the LPC, and yeah, you know you can tell you haven't been in in there for a while.
0: So did the T R E and the A T O were they sympathetic to your situation? Like, I mean, it must have been. Now, nobody likes going into the sim, let's face it, right, under any circumstances. But, you know, when you don't have the airline safety net underneath you and you somewhere in the back of your mind, you're saying to yourself, I have to pass this. That must have been a real stress multiplier for you.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um. Uh, the examiner kind of diffused that uh, stress initially. He started the day saying, look, I know I know you guys have been haven't flown in a a long time let's go and let's learn something and let's you know do the mandatory items and so on Uh, but i'll say i wasn't let off easy it was it was uh it was maybe tougher than some of my my airline training but uh that's neither here nor there It was it was a good it was a good training session at, at the end of the day and and uh there was definitely some allowance in there
0: so i mean when you walked over the bridge from the sim onto the mezzanine uh you must have been absolutely delighted were you
1: yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I was, I uh, was, I was very relieved, um, you know, out of the hot seat, and you know, of course, I, I had to have the mask on, so I was also uh, slightly out of breath, but it was very relieving, and that's that was my my last task that I had to do. It was it was one of these um, stresses that they talk about a a uh, kind of continuous stress that. Before I did this LPC, I was always wondering, okay, if the borders shut down, what's going to happen if I if my license expires? What do I have to do then? What if? What if? So, it was a huge load off off my shoulders. So it wasn't long after I was uh, having a pint in the pub. So
0: fantastic. So Frank, I, I was just wondering, in terms of um, you know online communities and support groups, is there is there anything? Any group or WhatsApp or particularly good website that has been that you've identified or maybe your colleagues in, in the airline that you're keeping in touch with have identified as being useful to you in these current situations? Perhaps other people would be interested to hear.
1: Yeah, well, firstly, I would say um, my colleagues and um, my contemporary, my peers from other airlines um everyone has been very sympath- sympathetic and there's been a strong sense of camaraderie you know i've been talking to my my friends who are still in in the company and wherever they could help me or advise me they would um and even even the training department was was helpful at times if you needed uh you know any documents or anything like that uh, they, they were very very uh, forthcoming as much as they could uh, as far as um groups i noticed a few you know um things on LinkedIn uh, from recruiter websites uh, a few free webinars offered which I found helpful and then there's uh, your group uh, airline pilot club that's been very good the the podcasts that um, you have on on job interviews and interview techniques is actually really really helpful uh, with with Margie Burns I was listening to that the other day and I've done quite a lot of interviews myself uh, throughout the times and and you know, I was kind of checking off on my head. OK, did I do most of those things? I've done quite a lot of them, but there's some really, really good tips there. And I've had interview preparation. I've gone to coaches and I've learned techniques from them. But if if I hadn't done them, I, I mightn't have known, you know, most of the, the tips that were provided in that podcast. So I'd recommend everyone to listen to that podcast. Um, and even for me, I would probably listen to it again if I was invited for an interview.
0: That's really good to hear. Um, thanks, Frank. I'm just getting to the the end of this now i suppose and i just like to loop back to the more personal side of things and your wider family so obviously your partner has been steadfast and you've you know you you, you found a way to to uh, manage your way through the the six months or whatever it is and you said that um she is a, a good earner so there's a bit of the financial stress has been removed which is fantastic but uh, interesting and interested in your wider family you know what was their reaction or, or your wider group of friends like i suppose what i'm getting at i spoke to another pilot yesterday who said that the most annoying and disappointing aspect of what had happened him was the what he called the false sympathy syndrome which would be expressed by friends and neighbors you know um any any sense of that have you experienced any of that
1: you know not really you know I haven't really received that much sympathy from my from my friends I suppose I have I mean the ones that know about the situation I, I suppose they're sympathetic but I think it's such a, a crazy time that everyone's kind of has their own issues to deal with at the moment so for my friends you know I don't have a that much expectation of them some people don't quite understand the severity of it that you know you know it could be let's say two years before I before I get into the cockpit, which I, I don't think it would be that bad. But um for some people it could be, you know, if you're if you weren't as experienced as myself, perhaps it, it might be very tough so aviation is a you know it's always a difficult industry to explain to friends you know even to answer the simple question of how do you become a pilot you know all pilots have been asked that by their friends and it's it's not a short answer so they might understand the severity of, of the of the crisis but my my close family yeah they were they were very um you know affected by it they were very disappointed they've they've been there too while i did all the hard work they did they did the hard work as well and um then there's the logistical or you know the more i don't know how to say it but i've been separated from my family since the crisis i haven't been home for you know a year now that's not because of being laid off but because of the virus so that hasn't been easy but we're just getting on like like everyone else is and it's sort of in the past being made redundant now we're looking in the future and it's being productive and and i know and and my family we're all confident that i'll I'll keep flying and will be okay. So
0: that's that's such a good story. And like just the last question I had you you've nearly touched on it there. Um like what are your hopes and fears for for 2021? What are your hopes first of all?
1: Well, the hopes for 2021 is that I will, you know, get back in the cockpit. Um I know it's that's an optimistic outlook, but I think it's realistic hopefully if things go well with the vaccine, I think it will be summer or or later on, uh maybe and I suppose my my fears are that I might have to, you know, go somewhere far away <laughs> to get to get the job. So mm. um, that that would be a sort of interesting dynamic now that I've been been at home for for so long. I was saying to you um, in our previous conversation that it's almost this whole crisis almost changed my values about uh, things. So my values about family, you know, where do I want to where do I want to be? what do I want to get out of my job and so on where before it was the job is everything. Um, I'll do, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything for the job. And I I know a lot of guys would probably be saying the opposite now, especially that they were made redundant, but I've had the opportunity to be at home and start of, you know, value being with, with my partner and uh, you know, value my, my other parts of my life. So I would say my values have changed in that, You know, I value my savings and also my career progression. I think I I might attack it with a bit more desire or or motivation just to make the most out of when I am flying again.
0: God, Frank, that just sounds so great. You've got a really pragmatic, positive attitude, you know. Um, I really hope that what we've talked about today uh, will help other people. Thank you so much for talking to me today. on behalf of Margie and all our listeners I I really want to thank you for your honesty during our chat I think you've shown tremendous resilience and I've absolutely no doubt that you'll get back in your career path as soon as the industry picks up so thanks a million Frank thank you
1: not at all not at all thank you Andy and uh, thank you to you and and Margie and um, everyone at APC for setting up this uh, podcast and the the offers that you give to upcoming pilots and to people like myself so i think it's really valuable and, and important and a uh, big thanks to you guys
0: uh, okay well look you're you're very good um look after yourself and we'll keep in touch okay well done frank thanks a lot frank Bye-bye. take care take care